Yes, yes, it is DJ Ski from Dash Radio, and you are now listening to the number one South Asian radio station in the world. I'm talking about Ruckus Avenue Radio, Dash Radio's exclusive South Asian station. Let's go. I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose, and what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandika, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by Melanie Chandra, the actor and co-creator of Hot Mess Holiday on Comedy Central. Stay tuned. So it's all queued up, right? That after every Thanksgiving in the U.S., it's like clockwork to start hearing jingle bells everywhere and seeing signs of holiday cheer and festivities ramp up. Speaking of good cheer, a genuine thank you to everyone for listening, telling your friends, subscribing to the podcast, and following us on social media at Dr. Abhaydandikar. So for many of us growing up in the U.S., as festive of a season as it is, there was maybe something missing or elusive perhaps because we always crave the visual or tangible feel of seeing ourselves, celebrating a holiday, and sharing the nuances of that experience in our community. This year, there may be a fix for that, though, as Comedy Central premieres Hot Mess Holiday, a Diwali in Chicago female buddy comedy adventure starring co-creator Serena Jindal and my guest for this episode, Melanie Chandra. Now, Melanie's a Chicago-area native and an actor who's recognized for her series-regular role on CBS's Code Black, for her work on HBO's The Brink opposite Jack Black, and she was most recently seen in the indie feature Distancing Socially. Oh, and she's also a mother to two kids, a mechanical engineering grad from Stanford, and a karate second-degree black belt. Now, Hot Mess Holiday, which airs on December 11th on Comedy Central, was inspired by Melanie's real-life friendship with Serena, and also features Cal Penn, Richa Morjani, Ravi Patel, and Lily Singh, among many others. Melanie and I caught up to chat about her journey in acting, about some of the standards to which she holds herself, and the value of role modeling. But we started our conversation by talking about the impact on her craft of playing more and more South Asian American roles. Tell me one thing, you know, as you become more facile with South Asian or Indian American roles, does the work get that much more technically precise or perhaps even change to get more nuanced? more the more that you play in Indian American and and from the vantage point of both an artist and and even a producer sure I, you know I think about 10, 10 years ago is when I started auditioning for projects and the roles for South Asians were very few and far between uh you know there are just a handful of girls competing for that one Indian role um you know every year that came out on a network TV show and oftentimes those roles required accents or that, you know, it was an engineer or a doctor, someone that came straight from India or a housewife, nurse, whatever it might be. And so you kind of had to develop this. If, if you made the decision that you wanted to go out for those sorts of roles, I mean, when you're starting out, you kind of just go out for everything. Right. But if you make the decision, you have to, there is a skill in learning how to book a part, book a role that 
is an idea of what an American thinks an Indian should be, if that makes any sense at all. Totally. I mean, for, for example, um, one of my friends, a uh, very close friend of mine who we kind of started our careers together, he's from Bombay. Like he has, he's from Bombay and he went into a casting room and it was for an Indian character with an accent. And so he did it in his normal accent. And the casting director asked him if he could do an Indian accent, meaning um, it wasn't Indian enough. Yeah. And I've gone into some uh, auditions myself early on where you know, a sitcom, for example, and I just did it as the American, you know, with my American voice. And they asked, they said, frankly, they're like, can you just throw in an Indian accent? It's so much funnier when you do it that way. Yeah. So, so that was 10 years ago. I haven't seen that a lot since. And right now I go out for all sorts of roles. I would say that the Indian role specifically is just a small fraction of the projects I'm looking at. Sure. Currently. Um, so the landscape has definitely changed. And with that is what is required of a South Asian actress in terms of the dimensionality that they bring to the role. Whereas before, I would say it's a little bit more flat stereotype. People just want to see an Indian person, understand who that character is. Great. Um, now there's all these complex roles being written. I mean, look at Never Have I Ever or yeah. what's another show right now? <laughs> I mean, you know, frankly, there, there's a lot of options out there, right? I mean, there's there seems like there's a, an explosion, if you will, of yeah. um, South Asian characters, whether they be in comedies or dramas or or documentaries or or creators that are out there. And, and is that just the the idea that more volume brings that much more complexity because there's more choices out there? Uh, I think so. I think there is more volume. A hundred percent. My friends and I, uh, the group of us, were all South Asian actresses. We're very collaborative. We will ping another one in our group, like, "Hey, there's a South Asian role. That's all yours. Like, yeah. you're that. You're perfect for this. I'm not." Um, so there is a lot more of that, and I think that's being part of that. Is you know, people are embracing diversity more and more, um, but there's more South Asian writers that are joining these writers rooms and producers that are encouraging more of these roles. Uh, so it is a volume thing. And I think because of that, there's, I don't like to use the word competition by yeah. any means, but it is a very competitive landscape. I mean, that's very factual. Like, you know, there's a point one zero zero one percent chance you're going to book something like, for example, I know I'm digressing, but this is, this is important. If there is a series regular role on a network TV show, there's a casting breakdown that comes up the casting office is going to see like 20,000 submissions, you know, yeah. and maybe if two or 300 girls are going to get the opportunity to send in a tape or audition. And then you have that whole process. So you do have to stand out. You can't just yeah. rely on your looks anymore, like meaning your ethnicity or your height, or you cannot rely on that. So yes. And I encourage younger actresses to, you know, really invest in their training. Yeah. Um, so, so in that way, then does the, because of that nuance, there's mm -hmm. whether you like a competition or volume or, you know, it does it actually require that much more precision when you're actually taking on these roles? So you're, you're perfecting your craft in a way that has to stand out far more than just the I need someone to say the Indian accent or for it to mm -hmm. how it actually resonates with a non-Indian audience. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think it, I think it definitely does require a couple things. It's craft, um, understanding of character and how to make that three-dimensional. It is true being at the right place at the right time, you know, yeah. getting the right person to see that audition or putting in a good word that, I mean, all of that helps, but ultimately you have to be right for the character. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes things can be written for a certain ethnicity, but then someone that's not that ethnicity, like the casting director says, you know, let's open it up to everyone. Um, and that person just shows the producer, the writer, a completely different way of how mm -hmm. this role should be because of the fullness and the unique choices. Yeah. And that's, what's really going to set some apart versus being like, you know, on paper, I'm right for it. Right. Well, how different is it to act in a role for you, given your experiences in your career, where there weren't a whole lot of foundational standards here, right? Um, mm -hmm. You, in some ways, are that sort of wave of trailblazing um, here. And, and in some ways, how do you imagine this is going to be different, perhaps even easier for folks who are entering that process now, or even five to 10 years from now, when you all and your cohort of actors and artists will sort of be that foundational standard for them. Can you, I'm just curious how you reflect on that sort of comparing how, when you were starting, but there wasn't really something to compare this or set a standard to versus yeah. now. Um, a hundred percent, you know, when me and my colleagues were just starting out, there was no one to, to look up to on screen. There was, there was Cal Penn, the OG, you know, <laughs> and what's great is he's in our movie now. So it, it's just kind of, cool to it's just a cool feeling to have them be part of this because he was like that one person I looked up to in Hollywood who is South Asian and really really making it um my generation I sound so old saying my generation but it's it's true there's a difference in generations like starting yeah. 10 years ago but people they're starting right now out of college that have trained in theater a lot of the people I started with kind of did the same thing that I did meaning like got a completely different degree yeah. in college and then decided to become an actor or a creator, uh, a creative person later in life and juggled both identities and eventually broke off. Like my story is not common, but it's also not uncommon within the group of my cohorts. Now, because of that, we were, because we are kind of the first people, not the first, but we're, we're coming up now, but we, we made so many make, at least I personally just made so many, I have so many learning mistakes because yeah. I didn't have someone to, you know, I didn't have like a, a, a role model or someone I saw on screen that looked like me and had my story that I could study and learn from. Almost so, like the mentors from afar. Yeah. It's definitely mentors from afar, but now I just hope that, you know, especially with, with this movie with hot mess holiday that Serena Jindal and I are doing, um, we've just had so much, I mean, it's seven years in the making in terms of all of our work up to date that has led us to this point, but really doing it all ourselves and, yeah. you know, just being told, no, like the industry is not ready for something like this. It's too much of a risk to have South Asian women, yeah. um, fronting a comedy. And so we had to just knock on doors ourselves. And I think now I, my hope is that with Hot Mess Holiday or Never Have I Ever, all these other shows and programs that Hollywood is going to see like, hey, you know, women like us can uh, have mainstream appeal and it's going to open more doors for this next generation. Does that make the gratification then of something like this releasing and hopefully having a life of its own 
does it does it make that that sort of gratification richer because it's a you know women who are embracing a sort of a buddy comedy role and you know speaking a little bit about your your own journey how how does that maybe fuel the next projects you know for this because of all of the work that you've had to do and sort of beating down doors and and helping for people to understand the value of this yeah um i would say first and foremost with this project and others the the driving force is creativity right you want to make like a really good you want to be a good story story. (laughs) it's got to be a good story and then the the underlying mission that's that supports that is knowing that this could help out the next generation yeah it really is like when serena and i started we would just start putting out these little comedy sketches and brown girls everywhere here india south africa which would be like, wow, this is amazing. You guys are doing this. And we would just continue to get these messages and it really fuels us. So there is a mission behind it. Um, creativity first, but representation is super important to both of us. And we just hope that by showing that we can do something like this, we can break through that other girls like us can do it as well. How much does being from suburban Chicago and the Buffalo Grove, is it? Yeah, Buffalo yeah. Grove. Nice. But how, how much of that experience kind of informed Hot Mess Holiday? And, and even just in general, being a, a South Asian or an Indian American from the Midwest, how much did that factor in? I think it factors into the authenticity of the perspective of both Serena and I. We both grew up in areas that were predominantly white suburbs. Yeah. And, you know... We were American one day and then we were kind of Indian another day and we didn't really feel like we were accepted fully in either circle and we had to pretend to be something that we weren't. And so I think that identity, that identity issue is not explored explicitly, but the it's but there's that underlying struggle. And we do make a joke about it in, in the movie yeah. um, that I hope people will appreciate, you know, things being Indian, like an Indian event versus like Indian, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, you know, in that way, are there elements of your life that are tangibly Indian? You know, I, I've all, I've often wondered this, that aside from our names, and, you know, kind of very, very obvious festival based things. Um, yeah. Are there kind of daily elements that sort of make you Indian? I wouldn't say it's in my day to day, to be very honest, but it, it's it's very present whenever I'm with family. And, yeah. you know, every holiday get together and every visit back to India, of course, so it's it's all centered around family values, I would say, and family traditions. And that's where I feel like I'm most connected to my Indian culture. And now here, it's there's like a westernized celebration of being Indian in terms of like the Diwali parties and all of these things happening in New York and L.A. and Chicago, whatever it is. And that part, I feel it's a very celebratory moment to have this Indian identity. Yeah. And so it, it's just it's a it's a different type of sort of you know, yeah. culture I mean, it's, it's sort of like the the that part where there's community involved feels great but the chance of you hearing sort of like 
you know, Malayali phrases at these things are probably very, very slow. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with actor Melanie Chandra. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Melanie Chandra. And I mean, I, and I wonder, like, you know, for you, do when you think about like the idea behind creating some of these stories or, or sort of portraying characters in these stories, you know, the, the comedy genre is one thing. The, we're seldom sharing the stories of like, you know, pain or loss or, or the ones that actually are probably a little bit more marginalized um, in that mm-hmm. way. It, are those sort of next steps then to like widening the portrayal of, of who we are? I think so. I think it, there's so much room to explore and it's not just about identity. As you we were saying that that's one side, it's not about arranged marriages. It's not about right. pursuing uh, a career in medicine. There's so many aspects to it. And I actually do see in the independent film circuit or things currently being shopped around in terms of scripts for TV and film, there, there's a lot of that. And actually I'll point to um, this filmmaker, Sujata Day, she did an independent film called Definition Please and it explores mental illness. That was a great movie. So there are things. Yeah, it's it's the the hard part is the commercial viability of any of these things. Right. Um, like so, for example, with Hot Mess Bad Holidays, very commercial. Right. Yeah. And that's why we were able to sell it. But those are the like the realities of of creating in 2021 at this juncture in sort of like the cultural landscape that you have to pay attention to that, you know, as a reality in the creative process. I mean, I think there's something strategic about doing something commercial, but still having to preserve the authenticity. I mean, one thing that CERN and I definitely did not want to do is do something for the sake of pleasing others, right? Like, oh, we have to add this in because it's going to appeal to this. No, 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 no. Like, I think the most, when we've, we've done screeners of this, the most specific things that we thought like people wouldn't get, you know, are the ones that get the biggest laughs. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you just want to make something good. And when I said, you know, about being at the right place at the right time, it's even when you're pitching something, you just need to find that right champion. So maybe your project is about mental illness. Yeah. But if you're presenting to someone who is just really not, you know, interested in exploring that topic right now, you're not going to get a bite, but there could be an executive who is just dying to do something like this. And it's, boom, there you go. Yeah. Just about that collaboration. Tell me is for you as someone who's been in these rooms and had these conversations, is there that blend or that um, challenge of marrying the risk of typecasting or saying that, you know, Hey, I I identify as a South Asian American actor or an Indian American actor, or or is, is it rather a sort of healthy opportunity? I mean, what, what I've learned is every time I try to be something I'm not a, I'm not comfortable in my own skin, skin and anything people see through that. so specificity for me is really important. The more specific you are, as I mentioned, the, the more universal it is. And people can, uh, people are curious about that. And well, and does that vulnerability almost that kind of truism and that honesty 
does that lead to, you know, your own self-satisfaction? And for that matter, it shows in your work. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, the more vulnerable I'm able to be, um, the happier I am with the final product. So you mentioned, you know, you're, you had a, a previous sort of iteration of yourself as a mechanical engineer. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. I mean, like, you know, in, in some ways I'm, I'm convinced that our journeys are additive in that way, that like there's something about mechanical engineering that you probably think about or, or how it maybe plays a role in how you critically analyze things. But the truth is, I mean, for you, I mean, does, does that factor in? Does, do those years in training at, at, or learning as mechanical engineer, how, how does that um, help inform you now? You know, I didn't really think it did much until now as a producer. I mean, ugh, wow. Um, being so detail-oriented and process-oriented and specific, it has just helped a ton yeah. with the production process and the post-production process right now and just picking up technical skills. Like I learned, I taught myself how to edit on, you know, Adobe Premiere Pro. And so when something's not right, I'm see, I, I like go and make my own proof of concept. Like I edit it together. And so I think I have a really great mind for that. And that all stems from my technical training. And also just, uh, and then I worked as an analyst at McKinsey and Company after graduation. And part of my acting training was undoing what I learned in McKinsey, which is like how to pretend like, you know, everything and not be vulnerable. <laughs> so well, a lot the of my life of the consultant, right? <laughs> yeah. But what that also taught me is just, a great approach to my career in terms of just strategic thinking. And a funny story I have is when I first quit my job, this was the engineer slash management consultant in me. I didn't know what, like, I didn't know what I needed to do to become an actor. I kind of had this idea because I was, you know, thinking about it all the time. I'm like, what are the steps I need to do? And I drew up, I bought a whiteboard for my like tiny New York apartment at the time. And I just like, I made a flow chart. Yeah. Yeah. Like any good engineer should do, right? <laughs> do you hold your own kind of competencies as you progress in your career? Do you hold yourself accountable to that as you mentor others? As, as you say, do you, do you sort of have these logical models or is it much more of a fluid journey? I think with this career, if you plan something, you expect it to happen you have to you have to be okay with adapting and hearing no all the time because a lot of times i thought well if i do this in an audition i do that da, 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 it's gonna land me a job it doesn't work right. that way it yeah. does not work it doesn't work that way in life yeah but i i um i have a big bs meter and so i know when i'm not doing my best work yeah. and i identify like what is a specific skill that i need to work on whether it's being emotionally available or present or, you know, technical things as my voice, I look at performances or my audition tapes and I, I know, I know what skill is off when I'm not working on a production or performing. I am, I have a great acting program that I, yeah. you know, I'm a part of in New York. And so I have a, a teacher that's telling me you need to work on this and this. And my goal is to be a master of my craft. When I wonder as, as success, happens and as you get busier and as the industry again it sort of explodes both it becomes more critical but is that kind of self-reflection 
is that just harder to do? I mean, it obviously becomes that much more important, but, you know, crafting and creating time for it or, or even just allowing yourself that licensure to do it well and, and really embrace that. Um, is, is that a challenge as you become more, that much more successful? Right. I mean, I've heard so many people say that like part of the, probably the most important part of what I do these days is that I just spend time self-reflecting and understanding what it was that I actually did. Mm-hmm. That's uh, absolutely. It's a great question. I haven't had time to reflect on that. <laughs> um, Touché, no. right. <laughs> I, right now I'm kind of in, um, I am so laser focused right now on getting through uh, you know, finishing that this movie, I really like, I am very narrow in my thinking right now. And I'm just really very acutely focused when I have time off. I just like to pretend I'm brain dead and at least like sit in front of the TV and have other things entertain me. So I don't have to think. I think the challenge for me right now, for a lot of people um, that have kids is just having kids. So that's like constantly in your headspace too. Am I being a good mom? Yeah. (laughs) Am I spending enough time? I shouldn't be focusing on myself. And so I do have very limited time in a day for that self-reflection, but I I do try to do some meditation at least every night before I go to bed. Yeah. So that helps a lot, but I'm not able to really sit down and do like a two hour brainstorm about... (laughs) The luxury of, of whiteboarding about your life, right? Right. No. Well, then tell me this. How how is how is parenting maybe changed your outlook as as an artist? Parenting has been wonderful for me. When I was thinking about having kids many years ago, I wasn't sure because I hadn't reached, you know, the height of my career. And I thought if I had kids, it would slow me down. And I, I talked to this great actress, um, and she had had her second kid and she was still working. And she said, Melanie, like you know, your career will figure itself out and you never, there's never a good time to have kids. There really isn't. And she says, you know, once you do have a child as an actress, it really opens up your emotional life and your vulnerability and you can use that to your work. And I agree hundred percent. Even my acting teacher, as soon as I got pregnant with my first was saying that, well, like something has just changed and your work has gotten stronger. And so I think that's, that's a perk um, of having a child, but also, um, they, they help me. Yes. Kids can be very stressful, but they also help me when I do get caught up in the little things with work and career. I just look at them and realize, is it that important? Like, was that so important? Like what's more important is this child's life in front of me. Yeah. Right. So it's helped me prioritize for sure my time and the types of projects that I even look at. Yeah. Um, so in that case, I'm cutting back some work. Like I'm not auditioning for anything anymore because if something's shooting in New Zealand tomorrow, I'm just not going to do it. And I've embraced the fact that that project probably wasn't for me. If it's just so, if it's going to conflict so much with my life, like I do believe in, um, I don't know, abundance. Like if you yeah. release a little bit of control, like the right projects will find its way. Right. Let me ask you this. Let's imagine that someone is, uh, getting introduced to Melanie Chandra's work for the first time, and they they have their first opportunity to see you, whether it's Hot Mess Holiday or any of your upcoming projects. Um, what do you hope that sort of first time uh, viewer experiences? What do you hope they take away? How do you hope they they feel about your work? That's tough. Um, I mean, it's a great question. 
I always appreciate when someone's interesting. Yeah. You know, they're just interesting. It's not because of how they look or it's, it's always about a unique choice they make that surprises you. And I can't say that I've done that with all of my work, but I hope that I can be a through line of work because I could just be interesting, you know, which is someone you, you want to keep watching because you're not sure what's going to happen next. You want to be surprised. I mean, that's what I appreciate in some of the actors I look up to. So I hope, you know, people can say the same about me one day. When, when you're either looking at your roles or looking at your work or again in class acting, do you find yourself um, continually being surprised sometimes by like, you know, and, and does that help cultivate trust in yourself? Absolutely. The, my favorite moments in acting is when you do surprise yourself, when you, something comes out of your mouth and you're, you're like, wow, where did that come from? Because then you know that you're really, you're really present and you're really in your body and you're not thinking ahead. Yeah. Right. And, and um, we all have that inner voice, right. When we speak or do interviews, I'm sure when you're, when you're talking to others on your podcast, you know, you do a question, you hear an answer and then there's a, there's a part of you that's just watching it, right? Oh, was that good? You know, you're just always checking out, okay, that was a good one. That was a bad one. So I love it when that voice isn't there as much as, oh, it's always going to be there. You have to embrace it. You can't be like, stay away. But I love it when it's quiet. Melanie, the surprises are hopefully forthcoming more and more for the people who, you're, who are watching you for the first time and for that matter, many times over. Thank you so much for, for joining us. It was a real treat and I hope we'll visit again soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much. And again, check out Melanie in Hot Mess Holiday, December 11th, as it premieres on Comedy Central. Just to also put it out there, I'm squarely against yassification. So let's please make this go away and be as chuggy as possible. Till next time, I'm Abhay Dandika. Yeah, yeah, this is Delhi Sultanate from India. You're listening to Rutgers Avenue Radio on Dash Radio, the number one South Asian radio station. Now hear this.